Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, August 4th. God's consciousness is center everywhere, circumference nowhere. In that fact lies the secret of divine simplicity. We can most nearly approach such simplicity by imagining God as a person, capital P, person, who has nothing to defend and nothing to promote, who accepts everything as it is, who rejects nothing, who wants nothing from anyone, who sees everything in relation to its eternal, changeless reality, who is wholly without self-importance, who never condescends, and who waits patiently for us, his creatures, <clears throat> to untangle our psychological kinks and recognize that we belong to him alone. Such is the nature of absolute bliss. Wow. God's consciousness is center everywhere, circumference nowhere. And then Swami gives us this whole exercise of this divine person who manifests all these qualities that we can, you know, that we have some familiarity with. And we, we try to reach for that. When Swamiji uh, was traveling in Australia decades ago, and Swamiji never, um, he never watered down his message. He was, he was a, a devotee of God. He spoke freely and happily of the divine. He didn't, he didn't try to pretend that God wasn't important. His broad-mindedness was in the expansive definition of the divine that he had, and his expansive expression of his own discipleship. But his broad-mindedness was not for lack of being committed to a particular understanding of reality, which was Sanatana Dharma, Satchinanandam, as the ultimate reality, ever-existing, ever-conscious, ever-new bliss. Satchinanandam is a synonym for God, because the word God in English, if you actually think about it, has no actual meaning. And people project upon it, either theologically, emotionally, uh, they project upon it certain meanings, we define God in certain ways, but the word God is, is completely an abstraction. Sanskrit has an advantage. Sanatana Dharma in India has an advantage because there are many words that could all be translated as the word God, and many of those words represent actual experiences, such as love, which is prem, such as joy, which is ananda, such as peace, which is shanti. I mean, those are three that we would know Prem, Ananda, Shanti. But when you say Prem, you're not saying, oh, I love chocolate chips in my pancakes. You know, we're not saying love like this sort of thing that comes and goes. That kind of love is the perfect divine love. Otherwise, you don't use the word Prem. In the Bible, in English, they try to say, they call it the peace that passeth understanding. Because you can be peaceful because, my gosh, I finally got the baby to stop crying. And now finally the house is peaceful. 
But that's not the same as the as shanti. Shanti is this transcendent sense of peace. So we use the word God, but we don't really know what we're talking about. And what happens is, once we begin to make experience the basis of our spiritual life rather than dogma, then all of a sudden that, that word God begins to develop meaning, but the meaning it's developing is based on something that I can actually access with who I am. And one of the uh, really marvelous ways that Swami teaches us is that when he offers us a very big idea, he often tries to bring it down to something that, that we actually already understand. In one of these previous, one of the dates previous, the words that Swami wrote, um, he, was, he was talking about the fact that uh, God made creation to enjoy himself through many. God wants to expand his bliss. And I, uh-huh, what does that mean? I mean, that's not quite, that's not quite abstract, but nor is it meaningful. But Swami just brings it down, and I'm repeating what I said in, on another date, but brings it down to when you discover a good restaurant and you really enjoy it, what do you do? You tell your friends. Nowadays, you actually take a picture as you go along, and you keep sending the pictures out. You don't even wait till it's over, because the joy is bigger when it's shared. So we project that all the way to the infinite. It's the nature of joy to want to expand and to share itself. I get that. It's the nature of my joy to want to share and expand itself. I do it all the time. I'm always telling people what I think is fun and what I think they would enjoy. I'm hardly God, but as above, so below. So anyway, Swami was in Australia, as I was saying, decades ago. And he was talking about God, as he normally does. And Australians are very independent-minded and uh, sometimes quite rebellious and not, not people to take guff from anyone. The origin of Australia was that it was a place where England sent a lot of criminals. It was one of the ways that um, punishment for transgression was uh, imposed, whether rightly or wrongly, that people were shipped off to Australia. And so gradually it grew up. So it grew up with a very independent spirit. You know, places have vibrations and, and, and tradition and history matters. So anyway, so this fellow said, and I'm not going to try to imitate his Australian accent like Swami does when he tells this story. But he said, basically, you know, I don't believe in God. How, what can I do with everything you said, which is all based on God? And Swami just said back, um, why, why don't you think of God as the highest potential you can imagine for yourself? And the guy said, Meh, I can live with that. You know, that, that makes sense to me because it's directional. You know, even when any of us are talking about God until we've realized God, we're just thinking about it. But there comes a point where we, we have enough of a sense of where we're going that we don't have to know what it looks like all the way to the end. We just need to know what our next step is in the right direction. If you're climbing a mountain, you often lose track of the top of the mountain because where you're winding is not visible to you anymore. But you know where you go next, and you know that eventually it will bring you to that. So now Swami is giving us this marvelous um, aphorism of masters that God is, is center everywhere and circumference nowhere. And Swamiji then in this whole page, he's talking about here's how you can visualize that. 
you can feel this, um, this consciousness that has no borders, that has no conditions. You see, what we're trying to say when God is center everywhere, it's that from any perspective that the divine has, it's always the same. It's not like God is more present in Jesus than he is in the fruit seller who stands at the corner. Or, or, or he's more present in Krishna than he is in this man who just committed murder. That the divine dwells equally in the murderer and in Krishna. Now, Krishna is more conscious of God's presence, of the absolute bliss of God's presence. And Krishna is able to be a pure transmitting station for that bliss. Whereas this poor criminal here doesn't have the capacity to be aware of that divine bliss, which is why he's performed this unusual and cruel act that will not bring him the happiness he hopes it brings him. And he is also, therefore, because he's unaware, he's incapable of being a channel for that bliss. But he's no less divine. And that's quite something to get the mind around because we're extremely outward-oriented and we're very achievement equals value conscious. That's how we think. And so center everywhere, circumference nowhere, equally centered everywhere, which is implied there, is a real challenge to our, our, our mental awareness. So Swami's trying to help us imagine the, the uh, what would you call it, the, the observing power, the silent witness, which is the divine spark that, it, that is animating this individuality and is the life force that enables it to make all its decisions. You know, as, as long as that animating life force is present, it moves around and it's alive. If you've ever been with someone who breathes their last, which I have been quite privileged to do on several occasions, many, a, a number of occasions, I would say, by now, it's extraordinary. Because there is a presence, even when the person is, in, is comatose and doing nothing but breathing, there is a presence. And then the breath stops and there is an absence, a total absence. And I've seen it enough times to think, you know, just basically, what is that? It's the spark of life and that life is God-given. It, we, we use it, but we don't create it or control it. I was laughing at, there's a story told about Yogananda when he was somewhere traveling and this man came up to him as a health food fanatic and, and declared to Yoganandaji, to Master, I've cheated St. Peter three times with carrot juice, meaning that carrot juice keeps me so healthy that even when St. Peter calls me to heaven, I don't have to go because I'm drinking carrot juice. Master looked at him and he said, My dear friend, when St. Peter really wants you, you can bathe in carrot juice and it won't save you. It's like this is not under your control. Our birth and our death is the, the divine spirit moving through us. You could say it's your own superconscious if you want to, but it's definitely not your ego. Because there's that spark of divinity. God is center everywhere. But the nature of that person, if we want to use it, and Swami suggests, is absolutely as he describes, without the slightest conditioning. Completely 
how do you say, egalitarian, completely equal. There's no circumference. There's no boundary. There's no, I love you so much until you do this and then I don't love you anymore. I love you until you break this particular rule and then I have a boundary over there. I love you as long as you behave this way and then I forget and then I get involved. None. Zero. So I just want you to listen again as I read this. And this is how we are loved. This is how, how God dwells within the center of everything. God's consciousness is center everywhere, circumference nowhere. In that fact lies the secret of divine simplicity. We can most nearly approach such simplicity by imagining God as a person who has nothing to defend and nothing to promote, who accepts everything as it is, who rejects nothing, who wants nothing from anyone, who sees everything in relation to its eternal, changeless reality, who is holy without self-importance, who never condescends, and who waits patiently for us, his creatures, to untangle our psychological kinks and recognize that we belong to him alone. Such is the nature of absolute bliss. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.